You know, Easter Sunday for us is a joy. It's a great time of celebration. It's one of the highlights of the Christian calendar. But that very first Easter, on that first Sunday, it was a time of grief. It was a time of sorrow. I want to rewind the clock for you this morning and talk about that for just a moment as we enter into Scripture today to recall what it was like for the women to go to the tomb in that first early morning. Now, Jesus had come on the scene, and he was amazing. He spoke to power like no one else. He called out people for their hypocrisy. He was able to call out people for their corruption, and he was fearless, and the crowds loved him for doing that. Jesus also was able to heal the sick, people who had lost all hope, people who were shackled and living in graves, people who were leprous and nobody dared to touch. Jesus was able to move into those situations and bring hope and healing to those who were hurting. And Jesus was able to minister to those who were spiritual failures, in a sense. To people like Zacchaeus or Matthew, who were tax collectors, who sold out their people in order to become rich. Jesus was able to call them out for those corruptions and was able to invite them and tell them about the love of God. That they too had a place with God. But all of that changed very suddenly and very drastically. The powers that Jesus spoke against all of a sudden turned upon him and they came crashing down upon him. They arrested him, brought him into a fake trial, had him beaten and whipped and mocked while false accusers came to Jesus in order to lay accusations against him. And then Jesus was brought to the Romans where he was again beaten, nailed to a cross. And there before everyone, Jesus died. Now, the Savior of God wasn't supposed to die. He wasn't supposed to go to the cross. He wasn't supposed to hang there with the Romans and die a very gruesome death where everyone could see. The cross was a point of shame. I bring all this up on this Easter Sunday because it's important for us to recognize that that was the moment for people 2,000 years ago. And in some sense, that's a little bit like our moment here and today. Today we enter Easter Sunday, not with the greatest of joys, but with a mixture of some sorrow and some admission of loss. It's a difficult time with the pandemic. And many folks, many well-meaning folks, are experiencing loss in many ways right now. You know, this coming week, our family would have been flying out to California to celebrate my sister-in-law's wedding. We had planned this for a while. It was going to be a great celebration. But because of the pandemic, we've had to change our plans and we are not able to go out. We don't know what's going to happen right now. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, my mom fell ill to uh, pneumonia. And that was a very difficult time for us and made more difficult by the fact that she couldn't be visited by loved ones, my brother or extended family, because because of the COVID-19 crisis and the separation, many of us can't be with the ones that we care about and the ones we love. Right now, it's a difficult time and we're going through some of these losses. 
But our faith is not one that just brushes over these realities uh, and puts them under the rug. I bring this up because our faith encourages, encourages us to bring all of it to God. The darkness included, the loss and the suffering, because God brought light into the darkness. He brought joy to those who had lost it. He brought comfort to those who were grieving, and he ultimately brought hope to those in despair. And this morning, as we go through this time together, I want us to remind us of that reality. Now, I'll, I'll get more to that in just a few minutes, but this is what we're going to do. I'd like us to walk through some of the passage that is in Luke 24 that recalls that very first Easter and relive the narrative and how people experienced it for the first time. And then I'd like to call us to attention to three different things that the resurrection does for you and for me how we can receive the resurrection in a sense today. But let's begin with a time of scripture. Now, for this Easter Sunday, I brought out my written Bible. I often uh, speak from the app, but this Sunday morning calls for an occasion. We're going to go back to scripture, my trusty Bible. Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. Now, this is an interesting uh, section of scripture because the in the original language, as Luke is laying it out, he is saying that these women went out in deep dawn. These are the earliest morning, earliest morning hours when it's transitioning from light, from darkness to light. Uh, in darkness, they can't see a whole lot. They have to light candles. There's not a whole lot going on. But in these early morning hours, it's the hours before the sun has actually peaked uh, peaked over the horizon. But light is beginning to show in the sky, and they can make their way to the gravesite where Jesus is buried. This is the setting. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you? While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. It's an interesting question that the angels bring to these women because they're not really asking a real question. Obviously, these women here are, to, are here to honor their savior, the fallen Jesus, who is lying in a grave. Because what happened? Jesus was crucified. He was dead. And when you're dead, your life has expired. That's the end of it. You're in the grave and no one expects you to go anywhere. And these angels speak and they speak in a way 
asking this question not because they're looking for an answer, but to recall for these women the very teachings of Jesus. Do you not remember? This was what Jesus was up to all along. This is the plan of God. He is risen, just like he said he would. Now, the early church began a new type of greeting because of these very words. And on Easter Sunday, throughout the centuries, Christians have greeted each other with these very words on Easter Sunday. Uh, the worship leader or the pastor would get up and he would say, Christ is risen. They would say that instead of hello. They would just declare this truth, Christ is risen. And in response, the worshipers would gather and they would say, He is risen indeed. Now, we can't do this in person, obviously, but today, um, as a way of call and response, I wanted to try this out on YouTube, on our video. I would like to just call this out, and I would like for you to respond in kind and say this back to, um, to me. So we're going to do this as a way to worship our risen Savior. Christ is risen. And I want to take it up a notch. So if some of you are online and you're following along on the chat, or if you dare to, to make a comment in our YouTube videos, because nobody makes comments in our YouTube videos, that would be great. If you could comment on there, you could say it again. All right? Christ is risen. Christ is risen. So this was the greeting that followed along in the church in those days. Now... Belief in the resurrection didn't happen all at once to everyone at the same time. It began in kind of phases. As the women went back to report what had happened, they shared with the men. So the men came running to the tomb. And Luke begins to describe that dynamic as the men were piqued with curiosity. There's an empty tomb. They witnessed an empty tomb. That doesn't happen. And this debate began to go among the disciples. What happened to Jesus? And Jesus appeared to different people along the way to prove that he had risen just like he said he would. And then later on in Luke, this happens. In Luke 24, verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, Peace be with you. I love this greeting from Jesus. Uh, and Jesus greets us in the same way today. He offers you and me peace, even in these crazy times. Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I and myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. 
everything must be fulfilled that is in written that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. I love this passage of scripture, and it's what happened in those first days following the resurrection. There was debate raging on, and Jesus appears to the disciples, and he speaks peace to them. And then he begins to explain, don't you remember? This is what I told you about. There became a kind of phrase that went throughout the church to describe what had happened and to capture the theology that Jesus had spoken about all of these years. It was the theology of new life. Of new life. Paul captures it in 2 Corinthians when he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Let me read that one more time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So, for today in our Easter message, I want to share with you three things very briefly about the new life that we have in Christ. What does this mean for you and for me? And the first thing that we want to talk about is how do we enter new life with Christ? How do people enter into this new life that we have that Christ offers us? When Jesus rose from the dead, it was with this understanding. You see, he took on the problem of human sin and death. And when he took it on, he brought it to the grave. He brought it to, the, to an end. And then he rose again on the third day. The promise of the gospel is this, that those who believe in him, in Christ, join him in this new life, this new creation that is going on. It takes place deep in our hearts. It begins to emanate out as we live as new people in a new church, in a new faith village. All of these things become a reality. And the question of how do we enter is really wrapped up in the word faith. Now, faith is an interesting word. It's highly kind of charged these days. And when we hear the, the word faith, some of us automatically begin to shut down and say, well, I can't enter that because I don't really operate by faith. And unfortunately, because of things that happened in modernity and in the last several hundred years, there has been this divide between science and faith. In other words, there are people who operate in life by faith, and there are people who operate by the words of science, and they don't seem to match. And that is a false dichotomy. It's a false split in the way we think, because faith is actually much more simple than that. Faith and science go much more together. And just a preview for later on, we'll talk about this in a message series sometime in May. So stay tuned for that. But you and I actually operate by faith all the time. So my family, for instance, they put their faith in me when I take them in rides in the car. So when my, um, my kids hop in the car with me, they put their faith in dad to take them to school, uh, maybe to take them to lessons, and then maybe to take them back again at the end of the day. They have placed their trust in me. Faith is simply putting your trust in someone. It is believing in someone. So the opposite of faith 
is not science. The opposite of believing in someone is not believing in someone. When you believe in someone, you're putting your trust in them. So when you and I go to a restaurant, for instance, we have put our faith that the people who are preparing a meal for us have done so doing it well, doing it cleanly, doing it in a way that we appreciate. And when we're digging into that food, that it's going to be a great and a good experience. We are putting our trust in the people who prepared a meal on our behalf. Um, likewise, when we go on Yelp and we look up a restaurant review, we are doing it in faith that the people who have written those reviews have actually tried the food and they like it and they're putting it out there for us to read the reviews about. It's not some disgruntled employee that has an ax to grind or maybe somebody who's paid by that restaurant to go make a good review. Um, these are the, this is the mechanics of faith. It is trusting in someone or something and the opposite is not trusting in someone. I, and I want to say this very clearly, that when Jesus dies on the cross and he invites us to experience this new life, we enter by faith. We trust in Jesus to take care of the problems of sin and death because we cannot take care of it on our own. Now, later when I wrap up our message for today, I'm going to have a prayer that you can pray along with me. And it's a way to enter into this new life in Christ. And I invite you, I highly encourage you, if you've never done so before, make this Easter Sunday the beginning of your new journey in Christ. Now, the second thing I want to talk about when it comes to new life in Christ is what does it actually mean? What does it mean? What does this resurrection new life mean for you and for me? Well, actually, it can mean a whole lot of things. It's, it's a really big answer. This is a big question. This is why Christians are so into learning most of the time. You know, people who are kind of um, really active in their faith are often listening to more messages. This is why we have messages on Sunday. This is why we have Bible study. This is why we have big books on theology and Christian living. This is why we listen to podcasts because what Jesus does for us when we enter into new life is he opens up this huge new realm of faith. And this new life of faith is inexhaustible. There's no way we're going to learn all the different parts of it in one lifetime alone. We enter into new life and we learn about it through different avenues and through different means. And this is part of the discovery process. We call this a journey of faith. Um, we learn that we are loved, we are accepted, and we are battling the inner voices that tell us that we are not worthy or we're not loved. This is part of it. We are learning that we can be healed. And some of the experiences that we've had that may be really negative, that disconnect us from God and from other people, Jesus is eager to move into those spaces and through the power of the Holy Spirit, begin to bring healing to even the most broken places for us deep within our souls. There's a sense of working out of forgiveness for us. 
so that we learn to forgive others, we learn to forgive ourselves, we learn to live as a free and forgiven people. And this is also a way for us to operate in this world that is so hung up on retribution and blaming other people. We are people who live free and forgiven by the grace of God. Now, all of these things are part of that new life. And so when I ask this question, what does it mean? I want to try and boil it down for us this morning to one simple thing. Now, typically, I really dislike boiling it down to one thing because that often means that theologically we're going to get it wrong somewhere. But for this Easter Sunday, I want to help us simplify this to a starting point for you and for me. What does this mean? Well, it means that we get to live a life with God. We get to live life with God. We get to live life with God in our relationships. We get to live a life with God in our careers and with our jobs. We get to live a life of God with our finances, with our money, with our lack of funds, with our despair, with our hope, with our dreams, with our desires. All of it can be lived with God. Now, this is highly significant because what what we do, many of us do, day in and day out, is that we're trying to live a life that is acceptable, that is justifiable before God. This is the narrative that most of us who have lived through negative uh, religious type of uh, environments learn to adopt in our heads. We're always trying to justify ourselves. We're always trying to show why we're worthy or why people should accept us or why people should think we're important or why people should think of us as something better than. But the gospel message is this. You don't have to do that anymore. That is not the way of God. You've been accepted. You've been received. You get to live with God and Jesus has made that so. God's message is this. You get to live a life with God. And over and over, we try to emphasize that for people at Access because that message is actually really difficult to live by. We want to justify our beings by everything else under the sun. The pandemic has shown us, so many of us, that we in Western Christianity have put so much of our hope in the wonderful life that is our modern lifestyles. We have everything. We've had everything. And we've had it really, really good. And because we've had it so good, we've actually, in some sense, put our faith in many of things that, even though they are a gift from God, they didn't deserve our ultimate sense of faith. And now as they're being put into question, many of us are living a faith journey that is really difficult, but actually very good for our souls. We're beginning to remember afresh and anew. Our ultimate treasure has always been God. It has always been God. And living a life with God is that ultimate treasure. That's what it means. Uh, I want to remind us of a verse this morning. So Pastor John, during our staff meeting this week, reminded us, us, reminded us through this great devotional of these 
wonderful words found in Paul's letter to the Romans. Let me read this to you and remind us of how significant that is. these words are for us right now. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is this new life all about? It's about living a life with God that nothing can separate us. Nothing is going to condemn us. Nothing is going to separate us. Neither height nor depth, nor angels nor demons, not even death itself. And that leads us now to our final point. Where does all of this lead? This is the third point in new life theology or new life living. What does the resurrection mean for you and me and where does it lead? It leads to this. It leads to a life that death and the grave cannot stop. This is what Jesus experienced. Death and the grave could not stop Jesus. His plan for redemption went beyond death and sin. God raised him from the dead. And the promise of the gospel is this. If you believe by faith, you get to live a life with God. And this stretches out for all eternity. That even death and sin will not stop you. It will not stop me from enjoying an eternity, a new life with God forever. So, a couple of examples of this, some of the most significant examples. I've quoted this uh, fairly often at Access, that the Emperor Julian, who was a Roman emperor, back in the days, he was a pagan ruler, and he was perplexed by the ancient Christians. Because when the plagues began to wipe out hundreds and thousands of people in the ancient Roman Empire, he began to complain because the Romans began to, to see people fleeing the cities. The pagans would leave the cities and they would leave behind their sick in the streets with no one to care for them. The Christians, on the other hand, they went into the streets. They risked their own lives to show the love of God to those people who were abandoned. And they gave them the love of Christ. They showed them that, and some of them passed away because they were infected as well. But here's the thing. They did not fear death. Death did not hold them back from showing the love of God. And the Emperor Julian chastised, he rebuked his fellow pagans, and he asked them, why can't you do the same thing? Now, in today's world, we don't love in the same way through a pandemic or through a plague. We follow sound medical advice and we willingly sacrifice our time in order not to be with people because that is the best way to love people. Just want to reaffirm that. But this same dynamic of not fearing death continues with us. And this is what it means to live by the new life of Christ. 
Last summer, um, we heard this story in our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church. There was a pastor in India. His name was uh, Pastor Nandu. Uh, he belonged to the Hindustani Covenant Church. And as he was walking, and he ministered to different churches, walking uh, to different churches on, um, to minister, to share the Word of God, he was attacked by um, extremists. He was beaten down within inches of his life. And then he was taken to a hospital where he survived for a couple more days before he passed. But in those remaining days of his life, this is where new life really took on new meaning. Instead of asking and calling for retribution, he didn't return hate for hate. He actually responded to the hate with, with love. He forgave those who beat him down. And he called for his fellow Christians to persist in the work. And af after Pastor Nindu passed away, the Hindustani Covenant Church issued a statement saying that they were committed more than ever to love their neighbors. And they were going to continue with their social programs in that neighborhood to help the hurting and to help the weak. That is a testimony of love. That is what Jesus has taught us to do. They were not afraid of death, but even in the face of death, they loved those who persecuted him. And for us, I hope that is something that we can take away. You see, Jesus' love goes beyond the grave. The grave and sin did not stop Jesus. It will not stop you. It will not stop me from having a place with God. We have a promised place with God for all of eternity where we will spend an eternity with God filled with joy where our tears will be wiped away, where God promises as a father loves his children that we have a home with him. Now, as I said, I wanted to end today's message with a prayer. And I hope that you can follow along with me. If you have yet to follow and trust in Jesus, this is a prayer that you can pray as well. Follow along with me to put your trust and your faith in Jesus. Heavenly Father, today I have heard your message on the resurrection of Jesus. And I place my faith and my trust in you I confess that I have sinned and I have fallen short of your ways. But I believe that Jesus took care of my sin and my guilt. And I receive your forgiveness. I look forward to living a new life with you. Now and for eternity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that with me today, I want to invite you to follow up with us. Email us at staff at accesslive.org. Um, either I will respond to you or some of our other staff members. We'd love to connect you with some growth tools and help you to start on this journey of faith. And as we wrap up our Sunday gathering today, we have a few more things to look forward to today. We have some great testimonies from people within our community who want to share with you about their new life in Christ, what it means for them today to live through this pandemic 
but experiencing new life in Christ. Uh, and also after that, Jessica, Nate, and Jeff are going to be leading us in a song. And then the Lynn family will be closing out uh, our time with a prayer, a blessing, our sending prayer. So stay tuned for that. Hi, I'm Cassidy. Um, this season has been bringing new life to me in many ways, even though it's really challenging and I have been troubleshooting a lot of online class stuff with my students. Um, I'm finding a lot of um, reasons to give thanks to God because I'm connecting with my students in a way that I somehow didn't have the opportunity to do in the busy school day. And um, I'm also able to be present with my family in a way that I haven't been in so long, um, which has been such a gift. And then um, most of all, God has really given me the chance to rest in this season. And I've never um, had like such rest that um, it's allowing me to begin to wonder again with God and to really... Um, like ask him questions and have conversations with my family members um, where, we, where we get to wrestle with God together out by our pond. And um, that's just been super refreshing. And uh, I just ask God um, to pour out more of his spirit on all of us and our families during this time uh, to draw us closer to each other and to him. Hi, I'm Daniel. I hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. Pastor Ted asked me to share about new life as God has been working on me this year. I've been coming to Access for over a decade now, but only recently applied to be a mission partner. And the reason that it took so long was because I've been struggling with my faith. I grew up in a Christian household and I accepted Christ at a young age. But then as I got older, uh, there were certain things in the Bible that didn't seem to make sense and seemed to contradict science. But God recently showed me that my lack of faith wasn't an intellectual issue, but one of trust and submission. I was using doubt as an excuse to live the way I wanted and to disobey God, especially in the area of finances. Is growing up poor, I believe money would solve all my problems. So having it was very important. And even as God provided for me, it was very easy for me to rationalize why I needed more of it. Like when I got my first job, since I wasn't paid much, 10% was a lot of money. But even when I got a much better paying job, 10% was a lot of money. But this year, he showed me that I put my faith in the wrong thing. That money doesn't save, he does. And it's not my money, it's God's. And although I abandoned him, he didn't. So I've been trying to listen for God, submit to his will, and put my trust in him. He reassures us in Matthew 6, 25-34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour of your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Hey, Access family. This is the Sowers, Andrew, Krista, and baby Adam. And we wanted to talk to you about how we are finding new life right now in this stage of new parenthood, having a new baby. Yeah, it's uh, been quite an adventure considering we literally have new life sitting right here with us. He's almost four months old as of when you'll be seeing this video. And uh, it's just been a whirlwind for us. It's been unique, you know, like, here, Chris is having to carry the baby for nine months and then take care of her, take care of him for another four months. And um, it's just been uh, such a blessing and a joy to spend this social isolation at home with them. Um, on the flip side, you know, there's no getting away from his screaming and his crying <laughs> at 3 a.m. Um, but his smiles and joys uh, just keep us going um, whoops <laughs> and we uh you know just kind of think about like how we're going to raise him and uh, just try to bring him up as a godly young man and uh, just do the best job that we possibly can um, to raise him to be uh, a god-fearing christian man we love you guys and miss you a whole lot right now. Wish you could see our big baby boy growing quick. And um, take care, y'all. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Does the big hugs from Daddy? Thank you so much for joining us for this special Easter celebration. He is risen indeed. We hope you can stick around after service for a time of just hanging out and connection online. This upcoming Monday, I'm going to be starting a four-week online group that covers the topic of what does it mean to follow Jesus. And so if you're kind of like new to the faith and checking things out, or you just need a refresher, I'd love for you to join us for that. And then also next Sunday, we're going to be starting a new series called Lessons on Courage. I hope you'll join us for that. Now let's say our sending prayer together. Loving, Loving God, through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it. 
where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us toward joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus. Amen.